This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. Hey, I'm excited to have Trisha Nelson here with us today. She actually lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating. Trisha has spent nearly 30 years researching the hidden causes of the addictive personality, and she's an emotional eating expert and author of the number one best-selling book, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. She also certifies health coaches so that they can get better results, referrals, and revenue by helping their clients overcome emotional eating. Trisha is the host of the popular podcast, The Heal Your Hunger Show, and is a highly regarded speaker. She's been featured on NBC, CBS, KTLA, Fox, and Discovery Health. Welcome, Trisha. So good to have you here with us today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Cynthia. I feel like in so many ways, one of the biggest pain points for everyone that is experiencing social distancing, which should be all of us listening, uh, many people are feeling like they're being beckoned to the kitchen, that they're really struggling to um, avoid uh, kind of caving into cravings. And so I'd love to hear, obviously, I want to start with your journey, but a lot of why I wanted to have you on was to be able to better serve everyone that's listening, be able to give them some great strategies that they can use to navigate this new normal that we found ourselves in. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's a hard it's a hard thing. I will start and just qualify why I'm here talking to you about this. And that is because I think I was an emotional eater from the get-go and um, and food was a struggle for me and so was my weight. And so... Um, you know, food was always a big highlight for me. It was always the thing that brought me the most comfort, the thing I look forward to the most. It was my reward, you mm -hmm. know, and it was also my punishment. So um, I gained weight very easily. So I uh, grew up overweight. And by the age, uh, by age 21, I was 50 pounds overweight and mm. um, I hated it. I was really plagued by this dread about my body. And, you know, I had this roll of fat on my tummy. I would want to mm. slice off and, and I wanted to get some, you know, terrible disease in this day. It, right now it's a terrible thing that I even thought that, but I did. I want to get some disease where I automatically lost weight or mm -hmm. join the army where they forced me to exercise and go to boot camp. <laughs> so it was like these really crazy thoughts about, you know, how to get this weight off of me because I felt so out of control. And, you know, I tried so many different things and nothing I tried worked for me. I tried, you know, of course, the pills, the potions, the lotions, the diets, 12-step um, programs, therapy. I mean, it did a lot of things. And, you know, what it came down to for me, Cynthia, is that I was an emotional eater. And until mm. I dealt with that, I was always, you know, destined to be on the yo-yo cycle of losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight. And nothing, I, anytime I lost, I would always gain because it wasn't sustainable because I was an emotional eater. So that's mm -hmm. really, you know, how Heal Your Hunger came about. Um, and I've been helping women for about 30 years now to heal this problem. And to me, it's really the gap because 
we know what we should be eating, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not, we're not stupid, <laughs> you know, like right. we've, we've been at this for a while. Uh, we know what makes us feel good about ourselves. We know what's healthy for us. We know even amounts that are good for us. But, you know, when push comes to shove and when we get nervous or anxious or stressed and overwhelmed, you know, food's what we go to. And so that's really, to me, that's the gap that we need to address. And now more than ever, of course, that's what we need to do because we're sitting at home, like you said, staring at all this mm-hmm. food, wondering what the hell are we going to do? So, um, you know, I think this is really timely and I'm facing it too. I mean, I generally don't have much food in my house because uh, I eat, I live in Los Angeles. And so I eat out a lot. Like I've got these great health food stores that have salad bars and prepared foods and I'm always just on the run. So it works for mm-hmm. me. And now like, I don't want anybody cooking my food now. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's exactly how we are. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, I'm in the kitchen. I've got a lot of stuff in my house that I normally don't have. And mm-hmm. Um, and a partner who eats crap, you know, so he's like eating cereal all the time. I'm like, oh, that's healthy. So, right. um, you know, it, he eats sugar cereal with sugar on it, you know? Wow. So, wow, wow. So I know. So, um, anyway, so the point is, you know, we've got temptation all around us. And mm-hmm. so it's really important more than ever that we start addressing this. And, and, um, I'll just tell you that, you know, in my experience, as, as I said, doing this for 30 years, helping women with emotional eating, um, you know, fear is the number one, dr- fear and anxiety, mm-hmm. nervousness, mm-hmm. you know, um, that is um, really the driver of emotional eating is anxiety. And I find that emotional eaters are more prone to nervousness and anxiety or anxious energy than your mm-hmm. average person. So um, that's really something, you know, that that is driving people right now and making it even harder to not eat. So, um, and I'm happy to dig into all these different things, but that's my yeah. story basically. No, and that's such an incredible journey. And I love that it kind of came full circle. Like you're fully aware of how all of these things manifest, but where do you think emotional eating stems from? Do you stems from, you know, maybe, you know, signals that we receive from our parents growing up or lack thereof, or um, are we using food as a substitute for something we're not receiving? Or are we doing it to bury feelings that really don't make us feel good or, we, or make us feel uncomfortable? Where do you think that that stems from on so many levels? I mean, it, I, I guess from my perspective, you know, after years of working with, you know, so many patients and, and hearing so many people's stories, the recognition that everyone is their own individual. So it all stems from different things. But what do you think it stems from? Is it a childhood trauma or is it neglect, you know, perceived neglect? It might not have been neglect or, you know, just being unhappy. Where do you think that starts from? So the answer is yes. <laughs> um, so here's the deal. In my experience, it's not just one thing. Okay. So everybody so wants things. to dig and get that one thing. So people mm-hmm. say to me all the time, they're like, Trisha, I know, I know why I'm eating. But the truth is they don't always know why they're eating. The idea that we have one thing in our past, I mean, I had sexual abuse in my past, definitely a big causative factor in overeating. Like I'd say probably, you know, at least 60% of people who are overeaters had some kind of abuse in their past, but you know, it's not one isolated thing. So what happens is we have things from our childhood for sure that are damaging, traumatic, you know, Mm -hmm. and what happens 
when we have, you know, alcoholism in our family or some kind of abuse or, you know, some kind of real big trauma or stressor, what happens is we develop coping skills to get through Mm -hmm. that. And one of those is eating. Mm -hmm. Other coping skills are things that develop into personality traits. For instance, caretaking. If we did have an Mm -hmm. alcoholic parent and we had to grow up really fast and be the parent, you know, so we were caretakers. Um, The problem with that is that in the moment it saves our lives, you know, being, being chameleons. I mean, this, Mm -hmm. this is a, you know, very big survival skill as a kid, you know, you, you learn to adapt and you've got your antenna out for what moods are in the house and how am I going to adjust so I don't mm-hmm. set somebody off. I and mean, there's all kinds of things that we do as children to get by to really survive our childhood. Mm-hmm. Problem is, you know, they saved our life at one time, but they end up killing us later on mm-hmm. in our lives, you know, if not literally, at least figuratively, and they cause our eating. Mm-hmm. So um, I have something um, that I always teach, and that's um, the anatomy of the emotional eater. And this is. 24 personality traits that make up the emotional eater's personality. And so, you know, it's not just um, general anxiety that we're eating over. There's also ways that we show up in the world that drive our eating behavior as well. And the good news is these are things we can start to address. Trying to just eat less, you know, and Mm -hmm. exercise more, which is conventional wisdom, is not going to work for somebody who is Uh, an emotional eater. And for anybody who's wondering, what is an emotional eater? Uh, First of all, I do have a quiz on my website. Somebody can take a free quiz. And so that's, if you don't mind me saying, um, at healyourhunger.com. So there's literally a free quiz that you will tell you where you are on the spectrum. And emotional eating, I think is a spectrum. I think God Mm -hmm. made us all to have some kind of emotional connection to food. So we would subsist as a planet, Mm -hmm. um, as a species. Um, so it's a spectrum on the low end is people, maybe they eat too much ice cream one night cause they're bored or with something, but on the high end is food addiction. And that's where mm-hmm. I stood. Cause I could pack away like three or 4,000 calories in a sitting. I'd have my ice cream, wow. my chips, my salty, my sweet, you know, and these different things. And it got so bad where I'd feel so stuffed and I'd throw the, I throw the, you know, the excess food in the trash and I'd be like, I'm never eating that again. And then I'd go back and get it later because I had more room in my tummy. So it's like wow. I did really like embarrassing, shameful things. So that's the high end. Okay. That's right. food addiction. But somebody, you know, everybody's somewhere on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so if you take the quiz, you'll find out where you are and what to do about it. But back to these personality traits. So as a kid, right, we were caretakers, we're, we're kind of pivoting and, and, and moving and, and, and trying to just get around the rage that's in our family or some kind of dysfunction that's there, what happens is that as an adult, these things then, when we're acting the same way, because they've sort of become ingrained habits, they really cause our cravings. So cravings don't always just happen like they seem to. Mm -hmm. Like people are like, what do you mean? I just want chocolate all of a sudden. But the nice thing is that it's not will, willy-nilly and you're not struck with this. And so what I teach people is how to really identify how they're like these personality traits that are causing their cravings. And to make to give you an example, the number one trait of an emotional eater is people pleasing. Oh, yes. Right. And this is partly because of that childhood, because 
you know, people pleasing got us by when we had alcoholic parents mm-hmm. or when we had abuse of some kind, you know, or fe- lots of fear, like people pleasing could, would minimize the fear and the anxiety. But as adults, when we're people pleasers, we end up like running ourselves ragged, trying to get approval from other people. And when we didn't have as a, as a kid, you know, when we were lacking that sense of self as a kid, as an adult, when we try to get it through people pleasing, you know, we never get it to our satisfaction because nobody's ever mm-hmm. as pleased as we want them to be, right? Like we, <laughs> we were true. like, we were totally knocking ourselves out and people barely notice or barely thank us for our heroic mm-hmm. efforts effort or she wrote show she wrote efforts and so that's an example of a trait that we can work on so that we lessen our stress because when we are out there trying to be all things to all people a very common trait of emotional eaters you know and and trying to get those kudos outside of ourselves instead of inside mm-hmm. of ourselves um it does you know we are tired physically because we're doing more than we can physically do and then we're compensating by overeating so people pleasing is a trait to really watch out for you know and right now during these times i mean we want to be of service to other people we need mm-hmm. to help each other out. It's just important that we put our oxygen mask on first. And so that's a, that's a drum that I beat quite a bit is start with yourself, like do your self care first. So you can be there, be there for other people without like basically getting on empty in your tank, you know, so Mm -hmm. fill up your tank first and then you can be of service to other people. But if you jump out of bed and you're like, go, 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 do, 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 as we typically are, Mm -hmm. you know, we will be on empty and guess what we're going to refuel with. And it's going to be chocolate and sugar and candy and carbs, you know, that quick energy, that quick fix. So it's really up to us to feed ourselves, nourish ourselves in new ways not with those quick fixes, you know, and just, and to take a look in our lives about how much people pleasing we're really doing. Cause that, as I said, is the number one trait of emotional eaters and it causes cravings because not only are we burnt out from doing, doing, doing for others, mm-hmm. but we're also pissed off <laughs> because, because <laughs> it's resent like, it. yes, we get resentful <clears throat> and resentment is another one of those 24 personality traits of emotional eaters is we're very resentful because we are kind of overextended sending ourselves expecting something in return that we usually don't get. And also, you know, and expectations, you know. Mighty Maca is a superfood drink mix full of 30 plus natural ingredients. And it was formulated by Dr. Anna Kabeca during her healing journey. Mighty Maca Plus ingredients, which include nourishing ingredients like organic maca powder, turmeric, quercetin, broccoli, parsley, trans resveratrol, pomegranate extract, and more were carefully selected for immune support to sustain energy, provide mental clarity, and improve recovery. It also tastes delicious. It supports healthy detoxification and alkalinity in the body, balances hormones, fights free radicals, and neutralizes lactic acid, all while increasing your energy and vitality. It helps improve your digestion and reignites your libido. It's a powerful superfood drink mix that needs to be part of your daily routine. And Dr. Anna is offering my listeners 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off your first per that's 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. It's delicious and nutritious.
Weight gain is one of many symptoms that our hormones are in decline, especially as we navigate perimenopause into menopause. Dr. Anna, who is a great friend of mine, is an OBGYN who's treated thousands of women just like you and I who experience increasing dryness and even pain in the bedroom as they get older. Jolva is the solution Dr. Anna formulated for her own clients, and it has since been loved by over 100,000 women. It's a feminine cream with DHEA that helps the body regenerate moisture from the inside out. 92.8% of Jolva users experienced a significant improvement in the first four to eight weeks. Get 10% off your first purchase of Jolva by using the link dranna.com slash Cynthia. That's dranna.com Cynthia and get 10% off your first purchase. Somebody once said, and um, resentment is, um, you know, basically an, an expectation, you know, unmet or whatever. Um, and so we have to watch our expectations. You know, if we are doing for other people, we need to be of service just for, just, just for basically the, the joy of being of service. But when we do it for what we're going to get in return, we're typically going to end up resent, resentful. And resentment is one of the ways that we, it's like, screw them. Like they don't appreciate me, appreciate mm-hmm. me. I'll, I'll reward myself, you know, and we're digging into the ice cream, you know? And so it's these subtle things that people aren't thinking of. They think I just want food or I just want this weight off, but it's not that simple. And this is the reason why 98% of all diets fail because people are like, I'm going to go on the diet and take off the pounds, but they don't realize that those pounds are serving them in very mm-hmm. important ways. And if they don't dig under, underneath that and see what that's about, they're going to put those pounds right back on. They need them on an emotional level. They need that excess weight to cover up emotions. You know, they need the excess food to anesthetize their fear and anxiety. So we've got to dig in underneath this. Otherwise, we're going to be on that yo-yo, that merry-go-round over and over and over again. I'm sure by now you've heard me or others talk about the benefits of using CBD oil, and I'm telling you that it works. Direct CBD Online provides natural alternatives to prescription painkillers and medications. They sell only the highest quality CBD oils, edibles, creams, and more to help you on your search for natural well being. And they strive to assist you in making informed decisions about your health and the products and supplements you use. If you've been thinking about trying out CBD, I highly encourage you to use direct CBD online. Click the link in the description to get started today. So much in that, in in some of the statements you just said, I want to touch on the alcoholism because that is something that I myself have faced and I was that typical, you know, I grew up in a, you know, a traditional nuclear family. My parents got divorced. My father was an alcoholic and I spent most of my childhood, young adulthood, trying to get on my father's good side. But my brother and I had figured out very quickly that we never called my father because we we lived in different states, never called my father before eight, after 8 p.m. at night ever, because that was when his, you know, he had had so much to drink by that point. He would oftentimes be very verbally abusive and inappropriate. But I think when you, when you grow up in that environment, and I completely agree with you, um, I became the perfect child. So I wouldn't have to deal with his wrath or the consequences of his drinking. And so I completely understand and and identify with those feelings that you were describing that you have to, you know, be the chameleon. It's like, what's the mood going to be like when I come home? Or what's the mood going to be like when I get on the phone with that person? So really important to kind of reflect back on what triggers that from the very beginning. 
Uh, and I also think it's really critical to make the association with uh, a lot of times why we're overeating or, or binge eating or you know craving certain foods is because we feel uncomfortable experiencing a certain feeling, whether it's fear, anxiety, as you've mentioned, you know, being depressed, being sad, you know, bad things happen to us. I mean, that, that's part of life. And for many of us, I think we are so uncomfortable with experiencing those feelings that we'd rather just smother it in a, a tube of ice cream, or we'd rather bake a bunch of brownies and eat them all and then feel like viciously sick. And so yeah. I think it's, it's important to note that, you know, for all of us throughout our lifetimes, we probably all have experienced this to some degree. But what Trisha is also identifying is that there are there are outliers, there are extremes, um, and that's that's the differentiator. So you kind of have touched on what the difference is between an emotional eater or a food addict. But are the food act are the true food addicts? Are they the people that you know they have shows about that you watch on TV where they're binging and they're consuming ten thousand calories a day and they're homebound? I mean, is that the extremism of that's, of that? Yeah, that's the extreme. But there's a whole lot. There's a whole subsection of that. Yeah. Is kind of like where I was. I wasn't like, I looked okay. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I was 50 pounds overweight, but I carried it okay, right. you know, but it plagued, I was like so unhappy with my weight. So I was chastising myself, like what's wrong with you? Why can't you get these mm-hmm. pounds off? Just hating my body, covering my body up, wearing black, wearing spandex, you know, yoga mm-hmm. pants, you know, and that kind of thing. So it wasn't like I was that extreme. And so right. food addiction can be a lot less than what you describe. It can be just like a constant obsession with food, like having mm-hmm. food on your mind 24 seven, having food be your reward. Um, mm-hmm. Some aberrant behaviors like lying about how much you ate or eating, eating the ice cream, you know, in the house, if you live with other people eating the ice cream in the household and then going out and getting more to replace it. So nobody mm-hmm. knows, you know, sneaky mm-hmm. behavior, um, mm-hmm. kind of hiding and covering up, you know, so many of my clients I mean, they're moms, you know, they're, they're, you know, responsible people, Mm -hmm. but they have this thing with food going on. And a lot of times not even their spouses know it, you know, so um, it's such a secretive, you know, shameful thing that people carry Mm -hmm. that they just keep to themselves. And of course, you know, the more, you know, we're as sick as our secrets. So the more we keep it to ourselves, the more it perpetuates itself. So it's really important to realize you know, first and foremost, that you're not the only one, like this Mm -hmm. is a, like talk about pandemic, like obesity Mm -hmm. and struggles with food is its own pandemic because it is Mm -hmm. so rampant. And so many women, you know, men too, but not nearly as many as women struggle with this and they suffer in silence. And it's like, they're, they think they're the only ones. I mean, I thought I was the only one who'd eaten out of the trash, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and then when I was, you know, I think I went 10 or 15 years ago, I I did when YouTube came into the scene, mm-hmm. I did a video, uh, it's sort of reenacting that garbage. Mm-hmm. I call it garbage eating. I had like, <laughs> I had like, um, 60,000 hits from that video mm-hmm. and comments like from all over the world, like, Oh my God, I've done that. Or, and everybody's mm-hmm. always like, I thought I was the only one. So we all think we're the only one who mm-hmm. does these crazy things. And in fact, we're not. So I think it's at least good to know that, you know, obviously we have to know. I mean, this is why c- community is so important. And this is sort of being driven home right now with what we're going yeah. through is that we need each other more than ever. And we need to really let people know we're struggling and hurting and reach out for help mm-hmm. because nobody can overcome this alone. And isolation is really the enemy 
here. So even though we're, we're, we're doing the social distancing, thank God we have zoom. Thank God we have Facebook Mm -hmm. and Instagram, YouTube, so we can start really connecting with each other because that isolation is really problematic for the emotional eater, especially because they're already in isolation up here and with Mm -hmm. some of their habits. So just coming out and it's like admitting it's a problem, you know, starting to get help with it is going to make a huge, huge difference. Absolutely. And, and I think it's it's important to understand that there are these extremes that we see that might be, there might be a show chronicling, you know, extreme overeating behaviors, but Trisha really identifying that there are many people who are really suffering in silence and they may not appear to look like they're an extreme of, of an eating disorder dilemma, but they may be suffering in silence. And so really critical that we're talking about it. So what changed for you? Did something change in your life that did you start seeing um, a therapist to talk about some of those feelings that you were experiencing? Did that kind of start the journey towards healing? Um, I was actually in therapy with an eating disorders therapist and I didn't get the help I needed there. Um, so what happened for me is I met somebody who had had the problem and he had been actually over a hundred pounds overweight and he was, um, he'd healed his own problem. He had a problem with alcoholism as well. So okay. he healed all of it and started helping other people. And so he was the one who actually helped turn things around for me um, because he understood that the problem really had nothing to do with food, that it was mm-hmm. really a deeper hunger I was trying to fill. And sure. so um, so that's really what changed everything for me is, first of all, recognizing it was emotional eating that was a problem. It wasn't the wrong, it wasn't the diet I was doing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the certain calorie in take or the amount of exercise. It wasn't any of that physical stuff, that was a symptom of the deeper hunger. And so realizing I was an emotional eater and then starting to address the underlying causes is really what did it for me. And I'm so grateful because once I did that deeper work, Mm -hmm. then, and that's exactly what I show other people how to do, that's really what turned it around and enabled me to not have to overeat one day at a time and live in a thin body for decades, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, I'm so, so grateful. And that's why it's such a pleasure for me and really a mission for me to show other people. And what I did, Cynthia, is really based on what I did to heal, I created a whole step-by-step process for helping people heal emotional eating. And it doesn't, it's not a hit or miss thing. So a lot of times people are like, oh yeah, I just have to do intuitive eating or mindful eating, but those are kind of nebulous ideas, you Mm -hmm. know? And the fact is that they're, you know, for me, I was such an overeater that I would intuit that I needed to eat a lot more than I actually did. (laughs) (laughs) So like, that wasn't really very dependable Mm -hmm. for me. You know, most eaters are like, we're kind of like, we're, we're off the charts, you know, a lot of the time, our hunger's off the charts, our charts, our cravings are off the charts. And so it's up to us just intuiting how much to eat or what to eat, you know, that, that, that sort of um, measurement stick was broken, you know, so I show people step by step how to overcome it. And it's not, you know, I find that, as I said, the women who come to me, they're like, they're not stupid. I mean, they've done the research, Mm -hmm. they've read the books, they could probably write a few books on nutrition Mm -hmm. and good diet. So it's not like they're lacking in knowledge about what to do. They're lacking the ability to follow through and do it. And so to me, that's the kicker. And so I show people how to do that. And it's really, as I said, about going, really going deeper. So that's how I got help. And it's completely changed my life. And the thing is, you know, the cure for this thing will make your life better than it was 
if you hadn't had the problem in the first place. Mm-hmm. So like I meditate, you know, twice a day, you know, meditation is something people know they should do, but they don't do it typically. Cause that is you know, so it's true. Hard. you know, <laughs> it's, it's, we're all so busy. So it's mm-hmm. like sit down and be quiet. Um, I don't think so. Like who has time for that? Well, now we do have time for that. So mm-hmm. it's sort of funny how, you know, um, the universe kind of, man, you know, there are silver linings to what we're going through right now, which is we're able to do things that normally we don't have time to do. Um, But the point is that when we do start to slow down, do start to listen to what's going on inside, what we're really hungry for, um, self-care is a big part of Mm -hmm. the system that I promote to people. Um, then we can really have more balance and make smarter choices around food. So, so much of this is stress and, and lowering our stress through self-care is going to be a big, big factor in overcoming that. And I'm, I have to do it. It's like meditation Mm -hmm. is not really just a good idea. It's like, it's, there's a huge, like absolute direct link between meditation and the amount of food people eat, like no joke. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armour Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armour's Colostrum strengthens immunity ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armrest colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. At some point, we've all been sold a big, fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. 
It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi Optimizers. Masszymes is a full spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product with five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Especially if somebody meditates in the afternoon before they um, have dinner. I, I always oh, say I this is kind of anecdotal, anecdotal, but you'll probably eat 200 cal- calories less. If you take time and use, typically I say when you come from home from work, well, nobody's coming home from work typically now. Um, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, whatever you're doing, if you're homeschooling mm-hmm. your kids or you're, you know, if, if you're just taking care of your parents or whatever, um, at the end of the day, if you take a time out, and instead of going to the kitchen to de-stress from a day of stress, you go straight to your bedroom, light a candle, do a little meditation, or even, even if you just like rest for 10 minutes, um, if meditation seems too daunting, just that slow down, just that deliberate, mm-hmm. you know, time out. Um, when you go back to the kitchen to start making dinner, you're going to be calmer. You're not going to be spinning, you know, or worrying as much, and you're just going to make smarter choices. So that, again, the link between self-care, slowing down, getting more aligned with who we are, um, is going to make a big difference in, you know, how much we eat literally. Well, and, and, you know, the science really aligns with that. You know, I, I talk a lot on the podcast about tapping into that parasympathetic, the rest and repose side of our brains. You know, you can't be stressed and digest food and digestion starts in our brains. So everything that Trisha is saying is actually really backed in science. If you can be in the parasympathetic before we even sit down to eat our meal, we're going to be able to digest that. We're going to be much more fo- much more focused and present in our bodies. And I think that is for nearly every single patient that I work with, they struggle with the most is we are so conditioned to not be present in our bodies when we're eating. It's always, it's a means to an end. I have to eat this meal and I have to go to work. Or I have to go to you know, wherever I'm gym or I've got meetings with friends or I'm yelling at my kids or I'm eating in my car. And so we're constantly in the stressed, sympathetic, dominant side of our brains. And so good if we're being chased by a rabid animal, not good if we're trying to focus on eating, certainly not good if we're focused on being present with our food for sure. Now, I would love for you to share some tips or strategies for listeners that are stuck in their homes. And I, I'm going to reframe that. For individuals who are social distancing in their homes, I'm going to reframe that. Uh, I think it's really critical that we have, you know, actionable steps or ways that we can rethink, um, you know, the pantry is beckoning to us or it's 11 o'clock at night and I'm bored or I got in a fight with my kid. And if anyone has seen the memes running around on Facebook, there's a whole video of um, it's a man and he's 
pretending to be the mom and then he's pretending to be the middle-aged kid. And it's so on spot with what I'm experiencing in my house with my, my teenager and my teenager. So I'd love for you to offer up some strategies, ways that people can kind of rethink when they're feeling like they want to eat emotionally. Absolutely. You know, my first recommendation is to start your day, as I said, with some self-care, some centering and self-care, like really make a point to start the day with meditation. You know, there's some great apps like Insight Timer. If you want to have a guided meditation, if just being quiet is a little, as I said, daunting. Um, So start your day with putting, I call it money in the bank, like, like, put money in the bank first thing in the morning because later in the day when the stress is mounting, you can draw on that account. If you don't have money in the bank first thing in the morning, you know, guess what? Later in the day, you're going to be drawing on chocolate, you know, and chips. Okay. So start your day by really tending to your spirit and fill it your soul, like fill your soul with, with real nourishment, you know, prayer, meditation, spiritual readings, these things are going to nourish you and bring you through the day. Okay. So that's the first thing. Um, the next thing I would say is, um, and I don't know this, I know you teach a lot about intermittent fasting. I'm a big for emotional eaters. I'm a big fan of three meals with nothing in Mm -hmm. between. Okay. Because your body will depend on the regularity of it. It will be more regular because of it. Mm-hmm. And, and what this does is, you know, three, me- I've been doing this literally for 30 years plus, uh, three meals with nothing in between. Um, what that in between is about is about starting to learn about your body and its signals. So when we're snacking and grazing all day long, we don't know whether it's physical hunger or emotional mm-hmm. hunger because we're kind of numbed out. And that's the point. And that's why we do overeat. That's why we do snacks. We want to sort of put a blanket over our uncomfortable emotions like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But the three meals is structure. And it's it, it means the kitchen's closed after breakfast, you know, and doesn't reopen till noon or whenever you, you uh, make lunch. And then it's closed mm-hmm. again until dinner. And then after dinner, it's closed. And so I mm-hmm. I realize we don't have a lock on our kitchen doors, Um, (laughs) but the idea that it's three meals only with nothing in between, that's not an easy thing for an emotional eater. And I don't recommend doing this alone. You know, it's really important to get support with this, but the idea that there's a meal time and then there's time to be dealing with who we are and what's going on inside of us. And you're going to get in touch with, first of all, how much of an emotional eater you probably are if you just Mm -hmm. try to do three meals and not snack, but it just, it adds so much just like regularity. And what it does for me is like when it's not mealtime, that's not my food. Like when people are snacking, I mean, we have sort of a snacking nation when people are snacking or if we're at a conference, you and I go Mm -hmm. to conferences together, we're not at a conference and all the snack foods come out. I'm just like, do, 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 not my food, Mm -hmm. not my food. Like it's not mealtime. That's, those are snacks and I don't snack, you know, and it, it really, those, those clean boundaries around meals will really cut down because we're never snacking really on lettuce or, you know, celery seriously. So, so (laughs) (laughs) the snacky foods are the most fattening foods, you Mm -hmm. know, they're the ones that the nuts, the chips, you know, Mm -hmm. the sauce, you know, the, the dips and those kinds of things, um, candies, those things, I mean, it just packs on pounds so quickly. So you can really keep it much cleaner if you just stick to your meals and then the meals, eat sitting down, like don't stand Mm -hmm. in the kitchen and eat, you know, whatever you're eating, put it on a plate, you know, light a candle, set the table, you know, and we have time now to eat with our families, you know, and get back to that tradition. 
that we grew up with and mm-hmm. unless we didn't, but the idea is it just makes a ritual out of it. And it makes it a real thing that actually happens when mm-hmm. we're standing in the kitchen snacking, it's not happening. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, we don't even realize it happened. And so put the, whatever the food is, put it on a plate, make it your meal, eat it and be, you know, wash the dishes. And as I said, you know, close the kitchen. Um, so I find that to be really, really helpful. Um, the foods that you're buying, if you can, you know, stockpiling and I, and I've got foods, a lot of foods in my kitchen right now that I normally don't have, um, put it away as much as possible, you know, find a corner in one of, you know, um, the bedrooms and just stack that stuff up, put it there. So you have the stash, but you're not staring at all. Cause it's mm-hmm. overwhelming to have our counters filled with so much food, you know, Um, I think that's really, really important. And then, you know, because we were sitting in a home with more people in it than usual, um, you know, taking a time out when the stress is high, going for a walk. I, I do something called a walk pray where I literally walk in my house. I put my earbuds in with my phone and I talk to God. (laughs) So, um, so it's, and, and people think I'm talking on the phone to a friend, you know? And so I just walk and even if you, whether you pray or not, you know, take a walk for sure. But I find my little walk praise to be an amazing, just hit of energy and comfort. And so leaving the house when it gets really stressful, you know, so long as, you know, you're not going to get fined if you leave your house, <laughs> which is a possibility right now. Uh, hopefully they will let us keep walking. Um, but really um, just a 10 minute time out where you're out of the house you know, not engaging with the kids, not escalating that argument, Mm -hmm. you know, just taking that time out is so effective. And, and for me, prayer is incredibly effective too. And just giving it over to spirit, you know, just saying, this is, this is bigger than me. I can't do it. I need help. Um, that 10 minute reset is so incredibly helpful, you know, and just getting out of the house is so, so important because we can all go stir crazy. So I find that really important. And then the other thing, you know, boosting our oxytocin levels Mm -hmm. by making a phone call and just reaching out to people, you know, now more than ever, I mean, I love it because now we can actually call people and know that we can get them, you know, they might, they might actually answer the phone, you know? (laughs) And so, um, and, and and it'll be such a, um, um, blessing to them as well. I mean, that's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing is you reach out for help and help somebody while you do it, you know? Right. And so there's no shame in needing help. And I think this is something we all have to get over is this idea that we should be able to do it, do this on our own. No, like we need help. And especially with emotional eating, food is the most socially acceptable addiction there is, you know, and people who don't have it don't totally understand how devastating, you know, and traumatic it can be. So mm-hmm. um, really there's no shame in asking for help. Like we need help. I still need help. You know, I've been healed for so long one day at a time. And yet it's, you know, I need help to stay that way. You know, if I don't, if I don't keep the lines of communication going, if I don't keep, you know, offloading stress by talking about things I'm concerned about by, by sharing with friends, by, you know, again, getting that support, you know, I'll be right back where I started and I don't want to go there. So, uh, you know, connection and community is so, so important. And I do have a, a, a Facebook page for people if they, if they are, feel like they are emotional eaters and want to directly get that help. I'm happy to have people join us in that page where we have that direct conversation because, you know, it is hard for people to understand this if they don't have it because it's Mm -hmm. just, it's a bizarre thing to be powerless over cookies, you know? So (laughs) getting that support is really important. 
Well, I'm so grateful that you're doing the work and and bringing awareness to what seemingly is probably a growing problem in the United States and and beyond. I do want to quickly touch on um, what you mentioned about the three, you know, regimented three meals a day, because inevitably, anytime I talk about intermittent fasting, uh, there's always someone that comes after me and says, well, this worked for me, even though I have a history of bulimia, anorexia, or, you know, binge eating. And I always say, that's great. But in my clinical opinion, and, and I agree with you, that it's better to have some consistent structure as opposed to these, you know, widened fasting windows. So wanted to definitely plug that. Well, Tricia, you've given us so much to think about today. Thank you so much for carving time out of your busy schedule. Where can we find you? Uh, my website is healyourhunger.com. That's H-E-A-L, healyourhunger.com. And as I said, there's a free quiz on there. Definitely take that quiz. Find out if you're an emotional eater or a food addict. And also my Facebook group is The Secret Sauce to End Emotional Eating. So if you go to Facebook and type in The Secret Sauce, that should come up and join us there. And I am doing a series um, starting tomorrow, actually, called Don't Eat the House. You know, oh, simple that's... strategies for for, you know, staying away from food when you're stuck at home. <laughs> so That's love fantastic. to have people join us. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll make sure we put that all in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Cynthia. I love your work and I just appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.